Good evening and welcome to tonight's broadcast. We are doing a live review. We've been doing 31 Days of Halloween. We did a special live commentary broadcast with our friend Ace Von Johnson from the LA Guns, but this one's a little bit different because this is more of like in tandem with that was a live commentary where we watched the whole movie. This is basically a live version of the reviews that I've been doing. So don't expect a, a full out show. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have these lined up for the rest of the week. We're doing tomorrow. We have Bob Rose coming on and we're going to be talking about werewolf werewolf uh, at night or by midnight by, by night or something. And then we're doing Deadstream with uh, John Rablas, Nathan Ludwig on Thursday. Um, so keep your eyes peeled. But I have a very special guest on tonight. He is uh, one of the great champions of this channel. And um, we we talk about, we literally talk about his operation every single time we do a show. What's up, Tyson? How are you? Good evening, sir. Uh, we talk about his operation every single time we do a show. Uh, I'm talking about none other than sharpie riot himself the ceo of riotstickers.com official sponsor of the from his channel bring him out hello sir what's up how you doing look i just got oh man i said yeah look at that i got the notification <laughs> the show's on on my phone uh, like that's great subscribed yes that's yeah. excellent um Tyson is asking, where do I get a poster like that in the background there? That from his poster is one of a kind that was printed actually by Sharpie himself. And you can order a poster, not of the front. Well, if you want to from his poster too, but you can order that stuff directly from riotstickers.com, which are actually, let's just start off the show with that. We're going to start off the show with our sponsorship. Sell, message. sell them that one that you have. I could. I actually could. I don't know. I'm kind of attached to it. I love it so much. I, the really I, cool thing is that one, it's not a poster. It's right. Like a, it's like fabric. It's really awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this if, is you move, if you move or anything like that, like it doesn't get all like wrinkled up and smashed. So Oh, it's like, this is like my coat of arms. You don't understand. This is like, this is like the blanket that will be passed down through my family's generational. Yeah, right. it's, it's here, man. Um, you would love to get one of those. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure something out in the future for sure. Um, but in the meantime, if you have any if you have any printing needs, you you have to go to RiotStickers.com. In fact, let's talk about the new promotion here at RiotStickers.com. Uh, Sharpie, would would you like to introduce this promotion? I'm going to pull it up on the uh, on the screen right now. We we have a brand new promotion here for the from his channel hold on it's coming right now yeah let's do it i'm um, super excited about it, it. oh me we too haven't, we haven't done anything like this um for about a year and when we did it before people went crazy about it and we were just like slammed with orders everyone was like i can't believe i can you know get this deal and we brought it back but we, we only brought it back for a from us channel so what yeah what an not, honor yeah it's not a, a deal that we have out anywhere else and um so we have a link to go riotstickers.com slash from us 
Yep. And um, it's a thousand three by three vinyl stickers, outdoor quality, full color printing um, for $79. It's normally $151. So now, it's pretty close to like half off. Uh, uh, half off. Now, if you take a look at these stickers, these are, at, I think these are 2.5 by threes, but you can get a rough general sense of what uh, a three by three sticker is going to look like. It's something like this here. You could see right here. You could see the, the 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 shiny vinyl wonderfulness of these stickers, and uh, like Sharpie said, man, uh, normally a value of one hundred and fifty one dollars, you can get a thousand stickers for seventy nine dollars. The link is in the description. The link is also in the comments. Um, so you know, as as we say, riotstickers.com, riot stickers, because we are the bomb. And, um, you know, if you have anything that needs to be printed up, check it out for sure. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I'm super wow. excited about it. And uh, I'm glad that we're we're only doing it with you guys and uh, honored, honored vinyl stickers. We UV code them, which protects the vinyl is waterproof. Right. So if you print stickers on vinyl, you can make them wet and it will last for, you know, forever underwater. But. Some sticker places, they don't add UV coating onto the top. And UV coating is what protects your stickers from the sunlight then. Keeps from them from fading out. out. Yeah. Right. So, you know, sometimes people order vinyl stickers. They stick them outside. Six months later, you can barely see it anymore. It's faded out if it's in the sun. So we UV coat them too and um, makes them last way longer. So... Yeah, I mean, that's what that and I'll tell you something. I have really put these stickers to the test. I have, you know, gone around town slapping stickers left and right. And I, you know, I check back every once in a while uh, just to see how they hold up. And I mean, it's really it's it's tremendous. It really is tremendous. Uh, can't say enough about it. Can't can't put enough emphasis on that. But um, uh, uh, enough of the pleasantries. Let's dive into our review. So like I said, we're doing the live review. It's the same thing that we normally do, except we are doing it live. So it's a little bit more like a conversation. Um, why don't we let's launch into the review and then we're going to actually we're going to play you guys a little audio clip um, uh, of, of note of interest as it relates to the review. Um, but why don't you. OK, so let's talk about it like this. Tell me about your relationship with this movie, watching it for the first time, how it made you feel, that sort of thing. Yeah, so, you know, everyone has this story, but my my story of ever seeing this movie was, you know, going to Blockbuster and, you know, always going to that shelf over in the corner where they, you know, a movie would come out, they'd buy like 15 copies because everyone would want to see whatever just came out. Then after a few weeks, when it died out, they would take all those extra copies, put them for sale for a few bucks and just leave like one on the shelf for renters going forward. But that's how I originally got it. I just, um, you know, it's a pretty cool cover, uh, cover art on the, on the box. And I just went into a blockbuster and saw it. So, you know, it might've been, you know, five or six months after it came out, um, well, can you speak it, but... to that? Speak to that for a minute. That's important. You you mentioned the cover art. I mean, how in like what what kind of emphasis? Like, how important was cover art back in 
the day. Talk about that. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was everything with music and, and movies. I mean, I don't know how many, uh, movies and bands I heard for the first time, just because it was like a, it was like a gamble, you know, but an educated gamble based on if it looked cool or not, you know? Sure. Um, so, and I know that there's still, uh, you know, ways that that still happens now, but it was a different way of doing it then. Um, you kind of couldn't read reviews like you can now. You can kind of see what other people are saying about stuff that looks cool. But um, you were just kind of going on your gut instinct, you know? Um, hey, Amy, how are you? How are you tonight? Um, the, yeah, the, the thing is, you know, poster art, cover art, uh, movie art, that was your first point of contact, right? Your eyeball connects with that before it connects with every anything else. Images, everything, especially, you know, being in, in, in a, a visual business like y- you are, you know that you, you images pass by you all the time. That's your first point of contact in marketing, especially in a pre-internet age. And so to be walking into bl- a blockbuster, every single image is competing for your attention. And, you know, clearly May caught your eye. And that's the other thing, too, is, you know, to, in today's day and age, you can stream anything. Everybody can be streaming the same movie at the same time. But back then, if 25 people wanted to watch the movie, you had to have 25 copies on hand. And it was a, a big waste of plastic, I guess. You know? It was. But again, it made it that you could go in there after that initial rush was over and you could own a copy of it for, yeah. you know. Three ninety nine, four ninety nine, you know, pretty you know, something like that. But I, I did just pull up the cover art because, you know, I didn't. You asked the question, and I didn't plan on saying anything about that. And I knew what it looked like in my head, but I was like, let me pull it up and actually see it. Right, it's um, been a while. And it is pretty cool. Um, she's got like kind of like a glow around her, but there's scissors yeah. and scalpels in it. Yep. Um, and then she's like washed out white, but almost like a green white. Yeah. It's not just like pale. It's like, there's like a green hue to it, which is kind of cool to do. Um, the, the other thing that is really interesting is may, you know, again, we're going to spoil the crap out of this movie. So if you haven't seen may turn off this review right now and go watch may, um, because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. May is, uh, tell me if you agree with this, Sharpie. May is a, it's a Frankenstein story to an extent, right? Absolutely. I would, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think there's a, there's a mixture of a few things, but I mean, yeah, that's sure. definitely in there. I mean, you know, rejection would be, yeah, like, the well, top that's part you know, of the Frankenstein. Kind of, yeah. Right. But it's coming from a different perspective. It's almost like a remix of Frankenstein, where like Frankenstein sure. monster was rejected. Um, but she kind of makes a Frankenstein. She's movie, both Frankenstein's, she's, she's both the monster and Frankenstein all at the same time. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah. Um I so I took a ton of notes way more than I needed just because you know sometimes you don't want to you you have a thought and you don't want to forget yeah I I took some notes too man oh great all right so let's we can swap what were some things okay how about let's do it like this 
just so we're not, um, I, I don't want to go over every single aching detail here, but what, um, uh, what were some things that you watched on this revisit of the movie that stood out to you that you hadn't like noticed before or had completely forgot and were like kind of profound, anything like that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the story is like pretty over the top and like not, not really believable. And I think that sometimes can hurt a movie a lot if you don't do it in the right way. So like sure. one thing that really stuck out to me that was cool is like, earlier on in the movie, you know, she's working at an animal hospital and like this guy comes in and he's like complaining that his dog, he's like, my dog had four legs and I went on vacation and now it only has three. And he's like freaking out. And it's just such oh a, God. like a, such a ridiculous moment. But I think, you know, it's kind of important for the movie because it sets the tone that like, it's not one of these movies where you're, you know, uh, watching out for like almost like plot hole mistakes. Right. And it doesn't matter, but you know, that one little scene that's in there that kind of doesn't really matter. I think it does matter because again, I think it sets the tone that like, Hey, don't this try is, to this is what this is. Yeah. Like this is a fun thing and let it be that. And that kind of just sets the tone for it. So I thought that was pretty cool that I noticed that, you know, maybe I noticed it before, but watching it know we were going to talk about it kind of stuck out to me more. Sure. Sure. Um, for me, for me, the thing that was like more prevalent than anything is okay. You know how early, early nineties movies still feel like the eighties, like they're still soaked in the eighties, whether it's the clothes, the vernacular, um, just like the aesthetic. So even though it's 1990 or 1991, or even as late as 1992, the movie feels more like it's, you know, still like 1988 or 89. I think may feels like a nineties movie that came out in 2002. You know what I'm saying? It's still so soaked in the nineties. I'm about to see yeah. it in a second. Um, and uh, just like the whole vibe is is just like you know it feels like the 90s and in a really sort of comforting way it seems like it's like a simpler time there's no internet there's no cell phones everything everything is 90s in a movie that that was made after the 90s and it's just like it's like the the overflow of the 90s really that's something that i noticed and why do you think do you think that that's just a byproduct of the age of the people that made it, or do you think it was done on purpose or, you know, I, I don't think, I think it's something that's not done on purpose. I think that it is something that sort of, I think it's something that sort of happens by accident. It's like an organic thing. I mean, look at the people that are in it. As, as Amy mentioned, she says, Anna Ferris is May's only friend. Anna Ferris is in a slew of movies. She, she got pretty big in the aughts. So she's mm -hmm. in it, but then you have Jeremy Sisto, who's in like Clueless. He's in some '90s movies and whatnot. So it's like it, you have like this this is really weird straddling time where the movie just still feels left in the decade that it that that it was before, and uh, and even Angela uh, Bettis, I think her name is, uh, who is just absolutely incredible as May. Like you know, 
I don't know if it's, it's not, yeah, I mean, it is kind of an Oscar worthy performance on some level. Like she has so many little like mannerisms, like awkward. She's so socially awkward in all of her movements. It, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a stellar performance, you know? It really is. Absolutely. I, you know, I, on some level she must've, I mean, I, you know, I think there's people that act that are just really good at it, but I also think that, there's characters that that hit them well. And I think a lot of times you even see some of their best work early in their career because they kind of take that character and they have an idea for it that kind of fits them anyway. And they just like make it part of it. So I would think that she had a lot to do with, you know, owning that character. Um, real quick, Sharpie, I just want to take a moment to shout out my friend Louis Carr. First of all, Louis, I tried calling you, buddy, and I, I didn't get a hold of you. Second of all, I want you to come on my show. You got to come on my show. Louie was there. Louie's an old friend, but he was there when I first started live streaming about two oh, nice. years ago. And he wanted me to do Predator 2, which I did eventually do Predator 2. So, Louie, let's, let, let's get on the phone again because we've got to ca- continue to catch up. But you got to come on one of these shows, man. And Dan, that, that invitation is extended to our mutual friend, Danielle, as well. Okay, I just wanted to say that. Um, no, all, everything you just said, super valid there. Um, and hold on, I'm just going through my, my notes here. Uh, another, so, so here's a lot of random, interesting observations at, okay. So first of all, what is the story about? It's about an awkward girl who has trouble making friends and can't like, you know, connect with people in a normal way. She had a weird childhood. She had a lazy eye um growing up which made her she had to like wear like an eye patch um she's a very talented seamstress her mother gave her a doll that's like super creepy and is obviously supposed to be like a metaphor for her herself you know what i mean and the glass cracking is symbolic of her sanity slowly cracking and we eventually see what she does she eventually gathers up all these people that are just really shitty in her life she's just surrounded by shitty people and freaking um just just like um you know she's surrounded by shitty people and just decides to make a better friend out of a bunch of shitty people and hold on real quick shout out to angus he says forgot to tell you last night i received the never mind the pizza shirt the other day it has drawn a lot of laughs i'm so glad to hear that angus Take a picture in your shirt and send it to us. I would love, I will post it on the YouTube channel, please. Um, and Angus also says, I used to wear an eye patch as a kid on occasion due to a lazy eye. Cool. So, I mean, like, that's like a thing that would happen to, as it happened to Angus, as it happens in the movie. You know, if you have a lazy eye, you have to make it stronger somehow. So, how do you do it? You cover up the good eye. So that it makes it forces the lazier eye to work or whatever, how whatever the proper vernacular for that is. And it must not, you know, again, kids can be mean. I don't know if Angus, uh, you know, had problems like with the eye patch or if everybody was like really like like gnarly on the eye patch and like thought it was awesome. But, you know, it just I, I got to imagine that it can potentially be um, uh, challenging as a kid to have to wear an eye patch, especially maybe you don't want to wear an eye patch, you know. So I don't know. Thoughts? <laughs> uh, so with the eye patch part, one thing that I I actually wrote this down because it it's more of like a thing that bothers me that I notice in movies, and this movie did it. 
I don't understand why um, you'll know what I'm saying when I talk about it. Yeah. But so, so at the beginning of the movie, like when May has the eye patch and stuff, it's like her as a little kid. And then you go fast forward, you know, 15 years or whatever. And she's like mid twenties or something, but her yeah. as a kid, she has like blonde hair. And then you see her as an adult. And I know clearly her hair would be like dyed with something. Right. But um, it's kind of like wavy and like dark. And then the person that played her as a kid has like perfectly straight hair and it's blonde. And I see that in movies all the time. I'm like, there's so many people that are in the acting field. Like, can't we find like a kid to play the adult that kind of looks like that person? Right. I see it all the time. It annoys me so bad. So that that's that's one thumbs down for me. Right. It takes you out of it. It It takes you out of it. Uh, Okay. How about this Sharpie? Huge thumbs up. The dude from Borat is in plays the, the veterinarian. And oh, really? Yeah. I was like, holy shit. That's the guy from fucking Borat, man. I was like, damn. I, just, I didn't notice that. Yeah. He's the guy. He's Borat's assistant, man. Oh, nice. Yeah. So my, that was my worst thing with movie stuff is like, I'll know the people in the like the characters in the movie, but I don't know like who plays anyone ever. Like people are like that movie with this person. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. And they're like, yeah, you do. You like, like movies that they're in, but you just gotta be like, which guy? Oh, the guy who blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I don't know anyone's name. So, but I, yeah, I didn't notice that the Borat. I just realized we have to add to the ticker, our little ticker thing on riotstickers.com riot stickers dot com backslash from us there we go um so yeah and then um you know the movie in general is very quirky and dry like the humor it's like really interesting weird humor like the humor is dry um it kind of reminded me a lot of the humor in edward scissorhands where it's not like in your face it's like act almost like accidental like you're laughing mm-hmm. at something that's not necessarily meant to be um funny you know what i mean i kind of get that vibe too yeah that's a, and i noticed that too again back at the animal hospital um the girl that works in the front that may hooks up with later on anna ferris anna ferris she she's talking to like a a, cl- a customer client or whatever you want to call it that's in there and it's like this middle-aged lady but she's telling her something the lady's just like laughing but it almost looks like they just grabbed someone off the street to play that role. And the person was like, <laughs> couldn't believe that they were on camera. Um, it, right. It's really weird, but like I, it made, it makes me laugh. Like, I think that it's awesome. I mean, I would think that it was done on purpose, but um, it's so there is like some odd humor in there that almost that the people making the movie just thought, Hey, this will be funny. And some people catch it and some people don't. Um. Oh, here, Amy. Amy says, thank you. Thank you, Angus. Uh, Amy says, uh, when she killed the cat with a handmade ashtray, I started to cry. Yeah, that was pretty. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's, and that's the other thing, too. It's like, they're like a lot of really dark shit happens, but it doesn't like feel dark. No. Like, it, it, yeah. you know, it made Amy have that reaction where she cried, but like at the same time, it's not like, 
the atmosphere, the aesthetic isn't doesn't feel as fucked up as maybe it should. It feels more like, you know, the opposite way a little bit. I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah, I think the in a horror movie, I think the hardest it's hardest to kill an animal or or a child. Sure. Oh yes. And and so again, I would think that that was probably possibly even a challenge for for the movie maker. Like, hey, we're gonna kill an animal, but try to make it not be like this super horrible thing. You know. Well, I mean, it's like. It's just like Return of the Living Dead. It's actually something we talk about all the time. It's tone. And like, for instance, the actors in Return of the Living Dead are doing like crazy, ridiculous things, but they do them super duper seriously, which makes it funny, like Mm -hmm. by accident. You know what I mean? Um, So I feel like great example when they're on the date and they're sitting and Jeremy Sisto, the guy, the mechanic guy whose name is Adam, by the way which is kind of funny because Adam is like, you know, Adam of Adam and Eve, like Adam is the first man or whatever. So it's interesting how his hands become a part of her friend, Frankenstein, which is sort of like an analogy of, you know, playing God and creating man. So I thought it was kind of funny that his name is Adam, but they're sitting in the old car and there's like this awkward jar of salsa and he has to like, yeah, really high to like take chips out. It feels so (laughs) unnatural. Like it's funny, but it's not played to be funny in any way, shape or form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And and that, you know, I, when I see that kind of stuff, I'm always wondering, was it on purpose or was it not? And I almost think that that's the best place to get it to. If you know it was on purpose to be kind of ridiculous, that's great. Or if you can tell that like they kind of just didn't have another choice. But if you're not sure which one it is, that kind of is keeps me thinking. I like things that I can't understand. I always say that my favorite thing of anything is just stuff I can't understand. How it got made or like why someone did a certain thing. Well, uh, why do you think that's a really interesting observation? Why do you think that is like, what is it? Is it like, uh, is it that like you respect the mystery of it? Like the, the mystery of, of it all. Maybe like a challenge to try to fit, to try to eventually understand it somehow, Hmm. you know? Yeah. But yeah, I've always been attracted like anything that I can't kind of make sense of that. I'm always drawn to that. You know, so even parts in a movie that might not be that important, but like, I'm like, why, why did that happen? You know, I'm just always like, that's my favorite part now. You know, well, the, it is said, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily true, but it's said that almost 99% of the time, if it's on screen, it's intentional, meaning that, you know, filmmakers and listen, we both made movies, right? We both have made movies. And you know that when you're trying to get your everything looking right in your picture frame, that like you're or at least, you know, me, especially me, like that's where I waste more time than anything else, because I'm so concerned with how everything looks in the picture frame. And of course, there are things that like I forget or, you know, you forget something like, oh, shit, that got in there. But generally speaking, everything that's in a frame is meant should always be taken intentionally in that kind of way when you are watching somebody create like, you know, when you're watching someone's movie, which is kind of fascinating in and of itself. um, When you think about it, 
So, mm-hmm. um, uh, another really weird like thing, like the salsa, um, they're eating macaroni and cheese at a dinner table, uh, with Gatorade in wine glasses and she sits in a chair and he sits on a sofa. And again, like you could say, Oh, is that an accident or, Oh, is that like intentional? I think it, I think it's 100% intentional, but it is absolutely like, you know, there's no meaning behind it. Like he's like this, I bet you the director was like, this is ridiculous. This is funny. Let's do this. But it's not like we're doing this because there's some sort of symbolism of macaroni and cheese and Gatorade and wine glasses. Yeah, no. But he does comment that he says, is this Gatorade? Yeah. And, you know, he's (laughs) kind of shocked. But I think that's one of the fun things, too. And it's something that I put down. You said, like, what is May about? And you kind of went over that. And, you know, I was like, it's kind of about a person that didn't grow up or I think even more importantly, wasn't taught to be grown up. How to grow wasn't taught how to grow up like her her mom is kind of like wants to like her but she's not who her mom wants her to be so then her mom right. is kind of like doesn't want anything to do with her i think right um and then obviously that no one's perfect and the other one that i thought was interesting like a moral of the story is be careful who you reject oh for life. sure <laughs> I mean, you never know what but yeah. you know th- there's something interesting and then to go back you know to go back to she, when she grew up with the lazy eye and having to wear the eye patch. And that's like the mother wanting to fix her in some way, shape or form. It's like, I don't want you to have a lazy eye. I want both of your eyes to be strong. And so I'm going to make you do this thing like treating because she gets the doll from her mother. So it's almost like she's treating her daughter. Like, like she wants to her daughter to be like a perfect doll and not a, just a human being just you know human beings just are born the way they're born and just are what they are and it's like no i need you to be this perfect porcelain doll just like the doll that i have and the mom the mom even doesn't yell at her or anything like that but the mom doesn't like the way that she tries to unwrap the gift even that's not yeah she doesn't unwrap the gift good enough for the mom too right so like clearly the mom just never accepted her right Right. Um, which, which caused a lot of problems. And she develops like this, like this, this, like, I don't know, this mental thing with the doll. Like she talks to the doll, she hears the doll and she starts to treat the doll the way her mother treats her, except maybe as you just said, the mother doesn't like yell, but she yells at the doll like all the time. Right. Um, And the doll, again, the doll represents her very fragile sanity so she's yelling at her sanity. And then what happens at the end of the movie, she brings the doll. It's actually, I mean, it's kind of like a, I don't know if it would fly today. I don't know if you could get this made today. Um, she is working with, she's volunteer voluntarily working with children who are blind. And she brings the doll in the glass case and the case shatters and all the kids run and pick up pieces of glass that they can't see And it cuts their hands. And I'm watching this and going, this is like, this is one of the most fucked up scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like, this is so insane. What am I, what the fuck am I watching right now? I mean, I could not believe what I was seeing. I had completely forgot that that scene was in there. I don't remember the last time I'd seen the movie. And that was one thing that I actually, that scene's cool. Um, And it, it does something for the movie, but I actually couldn't nail down like, what it was 
it was her sanity breaking. That's what I think it was. It was the doll case shatters and the doll kept her insanity in check. And the moment it was shattered into a million pieces, she needed to construct a new doll, a new form of sanity. And that's what her friend Amy is at the end. But the why? Frankenstein monster. She has to construct that. She's building her sanity back in a way that makes sense for her in the form of this doll that is not perfect, that has mismatched parts, and that includes a piece of herself where she literally gouges out the lazy eye that her mother always criticized her for in the first place, as if to reject her mother and what her mother always wanted from her and put herself back together the way she wanted to be seen. But what about, so why do the, why do the blind children crawl in the glass? Do you think that's just like foreshadowing of blood more than um, anything? I think that it's, I man, I'm sure there is more symbol. Man, I'm trying to think there's gotta be more symbolism in it than, than what I initially gleaned when I was watching and just going, this is really fucked up, but like it's, Okay, well, let me well hold on, hold on a second. This is what we do on this channel really well. Hold on a second. Let's think about this. So the the children are blind, they can't see. Um she can see. Um I don't and, know. You know, that's a, that's another interesting thing too because at the end she does take her eye out. Right. And I think she goes and works with them and like she almost even has like some envy of the fact that they can't see. Hmm. Like almost that she wishes that on herself. That she was blind, that, that if she was blind, she'd be like happier that she can't see. Like, I think that's possible. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, well, here's another thing that's interesting. Her, the reason why she gives the eye to Amy is because the, as there's a very famous saying, the eyes are the window to the soul, right? You ever heard that phrase? So by giving her one of her eyes, she's giving a piece of her soul to Amy, this inanimate object. And then Amy comes to life. And that's the big question. That's the big reveal. Yes. And it's yeah, right. so, it's so just like everybody, a lot of people dismiss this as simply, as simply her losing her grip and imagining it. And I feel like I don't like that. I feel like that's too easy I want it to be real. I want her to bring, because, you know, in, in Jewish mythology, we have a thing called a golem, which is sort of the basis for Frankenstein, actually. Um, mm -hmm. what it, the golem is an inanimate object uh, that you bring to life with a single word, which means life in Hebrew. You put it into the golem and it brings the golem to life. And the golem is this very strong, hulking creature, generally made out of clay but it's something that's built by man. And it's something that generally runs rampant. It, it goes haywire, it rejects man's design for it. And we don't get to see that happen with may. Um, but like, it's just interesting. The notion of her breathing life into her creation. She can't, it's not going to come to life until she gives up her eye. And I just thought that was, uh, and the word is Amy. She gives the word, the word of life is Amy that she gives to uh, uh, her friend. And when we see that hand come up, I mean, I literally, every time it takes my breath away, it's one of the most shocking scenes 
in a movie. Really, truly. I mean, it's just crazy. Well, and you have to imagine too, when that, once that hand comes up, you, I mean, considering what she did to herself and she's just a regular, you know, mortal person that she might be, that might be when she left. You hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So, she, so she might've left and then that energy, that life is now transferred possibly. Right. So maybe she's like transferred her consciousness into the doll on some level. Yeah. I think hmm. I, I feel like she's still she's not gone, but she might be like part of the way there. So like part of that life, it, it's almost split into the two, you know, they um, both can do like a little bit, you know, they both can do a little bit. And you know what else can do a little bit? You know what else does that? Things that are sticky. And you know what else is sticky besides things that are sticky? <laughs> stickers. Just like riotstickers.com. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know we did a plug at the beginning, but this is a, that was just a special plug. This is how we normally do it on the show. Riotstickers.com, official sponsor of the From Us channel. There you go. We have Sharpie Riot, CEO of riotstickers.com. Printed up this beautiful banner behind me, as you can partially see. It's a little shrouded in the clouds, in the shadows. Um, and we got to play uh, our, our favorite video. So we're going to do that. We'll take a 60 second break and be right back with you and finish up our review of May. Hold on one sec. You got to find my little video here. It is somewhere there. Riotstickers.com. The catchiest tune on the web. Dude, it really is. And everybody, everybody, I, you know, it was funny. We had, yeah, Angus, you're so right. Angus is right. It is the catchiest tune on the web. Um, you know what's funny? We uh Ace Ace Von Johnson from LA Guns was on the show. And I saw uh, that one. Okay, you saw that. So we were yeah. we were doing the monster club and the, the sound was muted on the commercial and Ace was like, don't worry, I could sing it for you. <laughs> I was like, he's like, don't worry. I know it by heart. I could sing it. I just like, love it. That like everybody I know who watches the channel is like, it's like burned into their brain. The, the yeah. riot sticker song. It's, it's catchy, dude. It's catchy. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, Krista makes from less than Jake did that. Yeah, dude. I always say that. I always said, I don't remember his name, but the less than Jake guy did that, which yeah. is just awesome. Um, So a couple of things to note on, first of all, have you seen any other lucky McKee movies? It's possible. Um, So down the same lane as I don't know who actors, actress names are. I don't know that stuff. 
Um, have you seen the woman? That's the one where they hold they 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 sort of take the woman prisoner and the guy is really sadistic and I don't even want to say actually I kind of want to do it for 31 days of Halloween. I should really just save it. Um, it's directed by Lucky McKee written by Jack, uh, Jack Ketchum really grisly film. Actually what's funny is uh, it got a lot oh, of people. I, so, you know so, here, so here's, this is the type of person I am. I wasn't sure. I just pulled up the cover and yes, yeah, I, yeah that's so how that's I know. What I'm doing. That so she's in it. So May plays the mom in that. Yes. And that is another example of a Lucky McKee movie. And it has the similar tone where there is almost this like sadistic, like because the movie is crazy fucked up. And there's almost like this sort of like really dry, sadistic humor in the movie. And um, I just feel like that's his style, you know, and, and he just carries that from film to film. You know, we see that in May when, you know, Adam, one of the big things that happens throughout May is like Adam tries to teach her how to smoke. And then she's like, it's like that old peer pressure thing. Like, you know, I want to, you know, smoke because you're smoking that sort of thing. Um, I, I, you know what? I wrote that down on my notes too. That's interesting that we both did. Yeah. And I wrote it down from, there's a lot of stuff in that movie that, um, cause they're doing like May's very childish and the whole movie sort of is a lot too. So even if you're pretty young and you're watching this, there's probably a lot of things in there that, that you've experienced and right. And, and so the smoking thing, like how many times in your life, like when you were young, did you have someone that was like, oh, yeah, I smoke, too. And then you see them try to do it and you're like, oh, they don't smoke. And so they're 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 trying to impress just like May was. And you know that that's what they're trying to do. So right. I found that funny where it's, you know, that's probably relatable for a lot of people. And, you know, relatable things in a movie always works out well. And can uh, yeah. be hard to do, I think, too. You know, Very. To, really... you, to land that, to land the relatability. Um, there's also, there's a couple of little things to, to the uh, other little notes that I had. One, I love Adam's uh, answering machine. Leave a message after the scream. Ah! <laughs> Which makes me kind of want to do the same. I don't have a voicemail set up for a lot of reasons. I hate voicemail, but. Um, yeah, it used to be pretty yeah. cool doing the messages, but that, that was huge. That was a huge thing. Yeah. And now, like, if someone leaves me a voicemail, like, I won't listen to it. Well, they can't because I've like blocked that ability. But like, like, there, I just would never listen to voicemails. I just like it created so much anxiety in me. Like, I just can't listen to them. Um, and the other thing is, so Adam is like, here's what's interesting about Adam. Adam likes to pretend that he's really obsessed with gore and like you know, horror stuff and may really is. And so, so when, may, yeah, sorry, go ahead. What do you want to say? Dude, like everything that we put down, it, like it's all down the same trail. Like I wrote this as a, a line. I said, some people are fascinated by horror and some people are horror. Yeah. You know, and sure. Adam is fascinated by horror, but may is horror. Right. You know? and, and, and like those people think like she thinks that she connects because he's fascinated by it, but you know, they don't, they don't connect in the end. 
And and what's interesting is that she, you know, he shows her this really like like funny, like screwed up film that he made in film school of two people like eating each other and making out. And then she he starts putting the moves on May and she bites his lip and draws blood. And he's like, What are you crazy? And she's like, What? It's just like your movie. And he's like, Yeah, the movie. And she's like, as you said, she is horror. And it's the same thing when she's relating the she's talking to him about the the story about the sutures and how she had to sew up a dog with sutures and used cat sutures and it caused the dog to split open, spill its guts all over the ground. And what was so interesting about this is, you know, it would have been in a way, it would have been way less effective to show the actual graphic happenings, which I wouldn't have wanted to see anyway, because who wants to see that to begin with? But just using her words and just using like her facial like reactions to her words, it like it, it's so effective. And it just goes to show that like showing less is actually more. Like it was way more effective to like because we painted the story in our heads. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really, that was great. Yeah. Well. Dialogue, dialogue can be so dynamic and it, it gets overlooked so much because now you can do so much visually, you know? So they're right. like, well, what does it matter with dialogue? We'll just, we can do all this crazy stuff to show it, but dialogue's powerful. Yeah. And I, I miss that in a lot of movies now. Um, do you, are there any like thing, anything in your notes that we did not, cover that you want to touch on well actually so the the again our notes matching up i just want to mention this i have a i have a thing that says the most important part of the movie is when adam shows her the class project right um um and because that scene shows what everyone really wants in life no matter who you are you want to be accepted you want to be understood and you want to be loved and without that scene being in the movie, I don't know that I don't think the entire like that has to be in there for it to work. It's the thesis. It's like the core of the whole movie, really. Yeah, really. Like it needs to be in there. It gives it gives both of them like real like that they're real people, you know. Um, another thing I noticed is how once like Adam rejects her permanently, her whole and she the doll breaks when the doll breaks as well she completely changes like she yes. goes from being really awkward to being more like she's smoother with her words she doesn't like stumble over her words she's more like biting and i just thought that was interesting too it like it begins to change her uh and she truly embraces the horror that she is you know yeah so there's that as well. So the i think the one other big thing that i put down that i was just going to ask you is yeah Please. Is Susie possessed? Susie is the doll? Yes. Um, no. I don't you think don't Susie. Think so. Okay, so here's the thing. As I said, so here's the weird thing. On one hand, do I believe that the doll that her friend Amy really comes to life at the end? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. So if you do, then but but at the same time. Oh, you know what? Wow, you know, you're at, 
wow, wait a minute. Maybe the doll is possessed and maybe all of that works. And I was about to, you know, it was literally like I was about to turn one way and be like, no, that's not what this kind of world is. And like, it's not, it couldn't be possessed. And then literally turn my face the other way and be like, yeah, but Amy really does come to life at the end. But why not one if the other? So, okay, yeah, fine. Exactly. Yes, fine. So Amy is possessed. So the doll, uh, Susie, Susie is possessed. Maybe Susie contains the soul of her mother. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was one thing that I kind of, I guess it depends if you want the, if you want to, if you, if you want to decide that the movie could be something that could happen in true regular reality or not. If you do, then Susie's not possessed and she just talks to it and, you know, makes right. it say back whatever she wants. Or if you want it to be a supernatural movie, then maybe Susie is possessed and maybe Susie does say things back to her. Hmm. So it was, I don't, I it, didn't really have an answer for it when I got done. Um, I, but I kind of like that. It's like a rhetorical question. Like, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily have an answer. It's just meant to be thought provoking. And per the next time I watch this movie, I don't know when that will be, but the next time I do watch that movie, I will, I will definitely have that in mind as I go into each scene and see how, see what, what I think in my head. So, yeah. One thing that makes me think that she is, is I feel like sometimes the case cracks more than it would for with whatever happens to it. I mean, so, obviously when it gets dropped, it smashes, but prior to that, every once in a while it gets some cracks. And I feel like Susie is powering the cracks a little bit, you know? Oh no. He fell asleep. All right, here we are. Ooh, sometimes that happens, Matt. folks. What can we do? What yeah. can we do? Hello. I thought you fell asleep. No. <laughs> what What were you in the middle of saying? I think my my system froze or something happened. I the last thing I said was just that you know that the cracks seemed like maybe that something happened a little bit, but then Susie like. Add a little right. bit of power to it to make it crack more than it would, you know, because maybe she okay. is something. It's it's definitely valid. That's definitely possible. I don't agree with you. I think that came. It's possible, but I personally think that that was every time she yelled at Susie, it made the grass glass crack maybe a little bit more. Or frankly, it's just supposed to be like a weird metaphorical element that says, hey, May's sanity is slipping and cracking more and more. And it's, and then obviously it shatters at the very end at May's doing. So I'm not sure if, if the doll is doing it because like we don't get, we really get no inclination that the doll is alive. It really is just May's psychosis. But the idea that perhaps there is a supernatural force with the doll is entirely possible because we do see Amy's arm move. And it's not it doesn't feel like you know normally normally it's like we cut back and it's like oh she it was all in her head she imagined it that's the final thing in the movie like it's kind of like saying like no she this is real and this really happens at least that's how i interpret it 
So I don't know. I don't know, but I'm going to have to watch it again with all of this in mind and try and come to a better, um, I guess a better sort of um, conclusion than we, than I currently have at the moment. Right. Well, I, I certainly think that it can go either way. And again, going back to yeah. like, things I don't understand or that too, I, I do like that it could be either one. We never get to a point in the movie uh, yeah. where we find out that she like was talking to the doll and it was just a doll. But we also never get to a point where they show that like the doll was, you know, had some kind of life to it or conscious to it. It would have been so, kind of interesting if after if the case was kind of holding the doll prisoner and after it breaks, like the doll starts to move around because, you know, it's been holding it's been held prisoner or something. That would be interesting. I like what they did. Yeah, you can do either one. So then uh, so the band I did. Um, when I yes, was, I was about to say, yes, yeah, so let's go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. When I was a young lad, it, uh, I probably sometime in 2002 I had gotten the movie May and I really liked it. And I'm one of those crazy people that when I get something new that I like, I'll just keep doing it. Like I'll, I'll watch the same movie like 20 times for like two weeks or listen to the same song for sure. a long time. So I got really into it. it. The movie inspired me. I thought it was really cool. And so I did a, I did a song with my band called May. And, so uh, we're going to let's play. Here's what we're going to do. I have a, I have the song queued up right here. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually play ourselves out with the song. Perfect. That's how we're going to end the show. Okay. Yeah, um, let's do it. So, so I'm actually going to say my goodbyes right now because we're going to listen to this and then I'm going to I'll, I'll uh, end the broadcast. But stay you stay here because we will still be here. It'll just the broadcast will end. We're going to do that. Uh, let me. Let me cue this up real quick. Well, thanks for uh, having me too. Oh my God. Thank you for all of your support and all that you do. And uh, I'm so glad. And we'll have, dude, we'll, we'll definitely have to do it again, whether it's for 31 days of Halloween or just in general, you're always welcome on the show or whenever we get around to judging that devil lock pageant, we'll, we'll have you as one of the panelist judges for sure. Um, and we will be talking a lot about, um, about this new promotion. So you're going to be hearing a lot about riot stickers on the channel. And um, with that, that concludes our, our broadcast. Hold on real quick. I'm going to, hopefully you can hear this. You should be able to hear this. You can hear that. We got some lyrics here. Oh no, you gotta put the lyrics under the video. No, I don't do that.
Thank you, Angus. It's kind of like uh, Dr. Fives type thing. Yes! Yes! I was going to wait. I didn't want to hold on. I want to talk about the song. I absolutely will say. Alright, I, I said I was going to end it, but hold on. I just want to say a couple of things about the song. First of all, I actually, dude, that's a great song, man. That's freaking Thanks. great. That's killer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, You know what's interesting? First of all, that those might be first of all those are some of your best vocals on a track number one number Thank two you. i really like the vocal arrangement and i'm trying to it first of all it has a very you wrote that in 2002 it feels very 2002 there is uh i'm trying to think of like some bands that it kind of invokes there's definitely what's up ron how you doing ron ron in the comments everybody um it's uh god um trying to think of who the vocals remind me of but it's it's uh it's very familiar it's on the tip of my tongue uh but yeah i don't know i just i got a kick out of that i got a kick out of the arrangement there good job Um, thanks i appreciate it check that out that's the villains may villains you can find them on uh that there's a bunch of stuff on youtube if you want to check out their tracks and is there a place for the official villains music to be found or is it just on youtube it's just on YouTube, man. There you go. It's just <laughs> on YouTube. Um, I want to thank again. I want to thank Sharpie Riot for joining us. Uh, uh, nice, uh, short and sweet. And I love these hour shows, man. They are my favorite because it just sometimes I just fucking die when I go. Like last night's show we did, I think it was two hours and 16 minutes. I was just like singing Rocky Horror songs. Yes, Riot stickers are the bomb, Jody. Jody, we have a new promotion down in the comments. Check it out. Um, uh, thousand stickers for $79. What a deal. Never going to stop talking about it. And uh, okay, now I'm really ending the show. We're going to be back tomorrow night. We have Bob Rose, thundergrunt.com, the Bob Rose. We're going to be talking Werewolf by Night, the new Disney Plus special. I can't wait. I'm going to watch it literally right now um, and uh, take notes and everything. I'll be prepared for tomorrow. And then Thursday, we have Genre Blast, Nathan D. Ludwig on to discuss the shutter exclusive movie Deadstream, and then we'll get back to some of the shorter review things that i've been doing and okay i'm really going to shut the fuck up now peace hair grease love you all see you tomorrow